Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Caregiver Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Martha Tyler, and this week I get to speak with a very dear and old friend of mine. We have been friends for a long time. She is not old. (laughs) (laughs) Kathleen Melvin. Hello, Kathleen. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. I am so excited to have you. So, Kathleen, I asked specifically to come on because she recently gave a TEDx talk about the brave leap sideways. And I am going to let you talk about it because you are the expert in it. But um, I watched this TEDx talk and it really like changed my worldview in a beautiful way. And I was like, I need my listeners (laughs) to also experience some of this and how, and then specifically we're going to relate it to caregiving. So, but I would love to hear um, a little bit about your TEDx journey. Yeah. So I have known for a really, really long time that I have wanted to give a TEDx talk. So TED has existed since the 80s, but they're... um, their talk started coming online in 2006. And then when they brought TED Talks online and people were watching them, they were sort of blown away by how much interest there was. And that's what led to the creation of TEDx. And what that X means is they're independently organized. The organizers are at the local level and they get a free license from TED. There are a bunch of hoops they have to jump through to be you know, trained to organize, but the license is free. And so that's where we get all of these individual TEDx events. And there are over 3,500 of them across the globe every year. Quite a lot of them here in the U.S. And so when TEDx started in 2009, mm-hmm. that, that sort of triggered my brain to be like, oh, that's a great entry point you know I I had watched TED Talks I knew that like that would be a dream to speak on a TED on a TED stage but also there are only now there are two TED conferences a year and the people who speak at TED are people like Monica Lewinsky and Shonda Rhimes and Bill Gates Brene Brown yes (laughs) Brene though she would not have gotten to speak at TED except that she spoke at the very first TEDx event. Whoa. And it's her TEDx talk that really propelled her personal brand forward in such an enormous way. This um, is insight. Yeah. Oh, I love it. <laughs> so yeah, that's why she ended up giving giving her TED talk and why she has Netflix specials and all of that. But 
so yeah, I had known for a really long time that that's something I would have wanted to do. I was a competitive speaker in high school. I love doing that work. I competed all the way up to the national level. That's awesome. Yeah. Did your high school call it forensics or speech and debate? We had forensics. Okay. So forensics. I just, I'm curious. Yeah. <laughs> I usually ref- when I'm when I'm talking at events or on podcasts, I usually just say speech and debate because forensics gets people a little off track. Right. And they're like, wait a minute, what does that mean? But yeah, we had a forensic season that was spring and then a debate season, which was fall, and I did both. But I, for a long time, even though I knew that giving a TEDx talk was something that I would like to do, I didn't really put any energy or effort toward it. I was working as an actor at the time and running a national touring arts education company. Which you have been on the podcast which talking about before. That's true. I yes. was here. My very, very first podcast that I ever did wow. was talking about Compass with you. And that was about five years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. If you have not listened to... The Compass Creative Dramatics episode um, talking about using theater as a nanny um, or a caregiver in general. Uh, mm-hmm. That's a really wonderful episode that has a lot of very fun ideas in it. So go back and listen to that. It's way, it's way back there. Yeah. I think it's definitely before 50. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it was it was early on. And it was 20s. all about stretching creativity and bravery muscles. Yes. And the ways that we can do that through theater. So, yeah, I was busy doing all of that, and I didn't really know what my message was going to be. And the the point of TED and TEDx is the idea worth spreading. It's what can you do to change how we think mm. as, as viewers and, and, and as the audience. So it was really nice at the beginning when you were like, it changed my perspective. And I was like, that's what it's supposed to do. It's perfect. And so I had had this sort of shift in my life. I had left the theater industry and I had decided to go to law school, which I did for a very, very short time. I was in law school for seven months and it just wasn't wasn't the right thing for me anymore. The The journey to law school is quite long. So between the point at which I had said, you know, that's the, that's the next thing I'm going to do. And then the point at which I actually entered school was about a two year gap because... Wow. You make that decision, you study for the LSAT, you take the LSAT, you wait for your scores, you apply, you wait to be accepted, and so it's just this long process. And a lot of my life had changed, and it wasn't the right fit anymore. But even though deep down I knew it wasn't the right fit, I was really struggling with the idea of quitting. Mm. I had... I have this like beautiful, super supportive community around me, of which Martha is a part, who had all been like, oh yeah, law school makes sense. That sounds like the right place for you. Yay, go Kathleen. And I felt like I would be letting them down if I quit. I had been given a full ride scholarship and that was the biggest gift the universe had ever given me. And so to say like, no, thank you, have it back, um, was, was really a struggle. But ultimately, with the support of my community, I made the decision to become a law school dropout. And it was through that, that challenge that I realized, oh, this is what I need to talk about mm. on the TEDx stage. 
because I think this is something that people struggle with, not just as they go through their educational journey, but in a relationship that, that they're having trouble deciding to get out of or in a career path that they're having trouble deciding to change. And so bringing that idea that the most important thing when we start something is not to finish it, mm. which I think flies in the face of what a lot of us were taught growing up that you you just need to get to the end you need you made a commitment and you need to get there and and it's a complicated thing i don't think that that a lot of the time just cutting ties with whatever commitment you make is the right choice but you have to balance who is being harmed mm. how are they being harmed what level are they being harmed and whether that's you or that's someone else really thinking through what what that looks like and so the the metaphor that i use in the talk as i talk about the brave leap sideways is getting stuck on a treadmill Mm -hmm. and the treadmill has no off button and it's super cozy and comfy and you know leisurely walking pace when you get on but it starts moving faster and faster and getting out of control and you're gasping for breath trying to keep up and it feels like you can't get off because there's no off button. You can't safely slow it down. You'll get sucked under if you try to step off. So the only way to get off of this crazy treadmill is to take a brave leap sideways, which means jumping over the handrail, landing on the ground next to it, that solid ground where you can take a breath and you can look around and you can say, okay, what's, what's the next right thing? Yeah. Where's my next right path? Yeah. And I love that so much. And before we started recording, I said, like, I love the timing of this because Kathleen and I have (laughs) been planning this for a while and then Kathleen happened to be in town. So we're getting to record in person, which is so lovely. Um, And so, and it, it all kind of fell into place. I love periods in my, in my life and seeing it in other people's lives where things fall into place. I think that those are lovely learning opportunities of like, yeah, this is, these are signs that I am kind of on the right path. So this comes at a time when the podcast literally has just taken a brave leap sideways that we have merged with the compassionate caregiver podcast to be a more, um, inclusive podcast to all kinds of caregivers. Um, and I'm, I'm so excited to be talking about this right now. I also have recently finished school, which then is not necessarily that brave leap sideways, but going into school was because I was nannying and I loved it. And I, um, and I, I really was like, I don't know that I ever want to stop doing this. Like, I love it. But then I did also yearn for a deeper way to interact with families um, and with more families deeply. And so that was why I went back to school um, to become a family therapist so that I could do that um, and continue really, it feels to me like a continuation of my nanny career, but in a different way. So I, all that to say, I'm so excited to have you on talking about this particular topic right now because I also feel that so many of us 
as the world continues to work its way back from pandemic, um, that there is this kind of opportunity of a lot of us are like getting back on our treadmills and being like, no, this actually, even the leisurely pace doesn't feel comfy anymore. And we have this kind of opportunity to make different decisions that I don't know that we would have made had the pandemic not already shifted some things for us. Absolutely. I think that's, that's so true. And I think that the whole, you know, the last few years of feeling the world shift sometimes in, in really big dramatic ways and sometimes in smaller ways I think that there have been so many opportunities, even like with the Great Resignation and, um, as you said now, with people who maybe did resign or had a different work experience for the last couple of years, climbing back into what we once saw as normal. Um, And so there are a lot of people who have, in that same time frame, either taken their brave leap sideways and said you know I'm I'm not doing corporate anymore I'm gonna go do my own thing or I I, I've been at home with my family now for two years and I want to go back right this is now the time that it makes sense for me to go back to work or anything like that and so I think that a lot of people have had those sorts of like rumblings Mm -hmm. (laughs) inside them without necessarily having the label that I've attached to it of the brave leap sideways. But I think that as a, as a culture, we're all, we're all thinking and feeling about it. Yeah, I completely agree. And I also think specifically in the childcare world and education, because there is absolutely crossover there. Um, and there's also differences. We've got the Venn diagram um, of the two circles. But I think in in childcare, the pandemic really showed the cracks in the foundation of childcare in our country. Um, and a lot of folks who love children, love working with children, have also started standing up and saying, like, this is not okay. Like, how you're treating the people that care for your children, mm-hmm. not okay. And um, and pointing out the brokenness of mm-hmm. the system of childcare in our country and around the world. But I think... It's specifically a United States um, problem in the way that I'm talking about it. And I think that, too, it's it's caregiving roles in general. Yeah. I mean, think about how, like, nursing has, has become, like, a conversation that we're having that... For years and years, we were just like, well, it's okay that nurses are, you know... Overworked and yes. <laughs> underpaid. <laughs> and, and there's this idea, I think, that has traveled with us over generations that caregiving work doesn't need to be 
valued in the right. same way as as money making work right. does as as business and um and corporate work does yeah that's a really good point um so and that is more on like the macro level right like mm-hmm. it's very zoomed out but more on an individual level i also have experienced personally so many friends who are in the caregiving field making moves to find positions that um, better align with their values mm-hmm. and value them in the way that they deserve um and so yeah i guess i would love to know more about kind of as you were saying that you have to like kind of do this check-in with yourself about like hey like am i happy on this path Mm -hmm. like what are some of those questions that help you check in with yourself about like oh no i actually don't love this treadmill at all so i love that you mentioned looking at your values because i think that that is foundational Mm. to the process out outside of this part of the work that i do is well the work the work that i do is messaging for businesses and i do that a couple different ways and i used to take my clients through something that i called the purpose pyramid Mm. i work with personal brands that are mission driven and a lot of the time and i'll get back i'll i promise i'll thread this back through but in I business, <laughs> thanks. In business, we're often, when we start, we receive these like instructions to write your business plan and write your mission statement. And for me, if you start with your mission statement, you're starting way at the top of what I call the purpose pyramid. And if you start trying to start, to build the top of a pyramid before you build the layers underneath, (laughs) it's all gonna fall. So the very, very first layer that I had people look at was their personal values. Mm. Even though I was working with them as a business and and developing their business and their messaging, starting with your personal values I think is so important. And so asking yourself, looking back and saying, okay, when when was a time that I felt really proud Mm. when was a time that I felt really safe and sort of looking for these stories that then you can say oh what's the value that's underneath that right yes I I was proud of myself when I when my nephew was super excited about the birthday present I got him what does that say about me that right. that was my reaction and sort of digging layer by layer to find those those values that are really important to you because that's that's like that's our compass that's our guiding light i think that life gets a lot simpler when we can ask ourselves if we're given a choice if we have to make a decision and we can say okay does this decision align with my values Mm. does it align with 
X, Y, and Z that I've, I've put into, um, into this list. Because if it doesn't, that explains a lot and that gives you a purpose for moving away from that decision or going, going toward that decision if, if you do feel like it's in alignment. And so I think that those are the kinds of questions that you really need to ask. When I was in school, I, I really started to sort of organically ask those kinds of questions. I had done some values work earlier on when I was, when I was starting, um, starting a business and trying to figure out like how to build my business to create the life that, that did align with my values. But it had been a long time and some of my values had changed. And so when I was in school, I just realized like I was getting up at five o'clock in the morning, pulling my, my six pound case book off of my nightstand, opening it up and reading until class started, going to class, getting out of class and reading until I couldn't absorb any more information and was just like so incredibly depleted and would go lie down for the night. And that was not the way that I wanted to live through school. And that wasn't looking forward. I was like, if I get a firm job that will pay me what I want to be paid after spending three years getting my JD, that's probably not going to change. Like that's right. going to be my life indefinitely. And I realized that autonomy and agency were really important to me. Yeah. And so when I, when I dropped out and I started, um, when I started copywriting full time, like that's, that is one of the primary things that drives me is making my own choices for my own life and, and being able to sort of design it. And then the other thing that is sort of tied for value number one is calm. Mm. I, um, I have generalized anxiety and social anxiety. <laughs> um, I live with depression. I have a lot of like sensory sensitivity issues and things that cause some <laughs> internal chaos. And so being able to, again, design that life that when I quote unquote go to work now, I work at home and I have a space heater to keep me warm. I have soft um, blankets that I like the texture of to keep me to that, that I can just like cocoon myself in these in these ways that are really healthy for me and make me more productive than I um, than I could have been before. And so, now I have those sort the those those compasses to look toward. Is this going to help me cultivate calm in my life? Mm. Is this going to allow for agency? And I have a whole list, but I of uh, probably about a dozen different values that I I strive for in my personal and professional life. Yeah, yeah, and I. I love that so much because I think that that <laughs> is something that we are not taught to do mm -hmm. um, at any stage. 
because to do so is one, it's a lot of really hard, difficult internal work mm-hmm. that sometimes we are in survival mode and cannot do. So if you are listening to this and that sounds hard, <laughs> one, it is. Um, and if you are like, that sounds like I cannot do that right now, that is okay too. Mm-hmm. I, I do want you to know that sometimes survival mode means that we can't mm-hmm. pause. And you know, when when I was in the thick of dealing with all these complications with school um and at the time like unrelated to school i i was already in the 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 worst period of depression that i had experienced in my life and so there was a lot going on and i felt really overwhelmed and when i i told you that i sort of started having those kinds of conversations with myself organically it was only when i took that brave leap sideways and said no i quit Right. That I could feel the the quiet that allowed me to have those those more deliberate versions of those conversations with myself. So absolutely, like when you are when you're just running to keep up with a treadmill, that's all you can do. Yeah. And and if that's where you're at, that is that's where you're at and that's Valid. a fine place to be. Yep. Yes. And um last week's episode was about seeking help, seeking mm-hmm. a partner, seeking a therapist, seeking um like a partner in lots of senses of mm-hmm. that word. Um could be romantic, but also business or also just like a really a good friend. Yeah, a support. Um, that it's okay to seek. It's okay and important to seek help. So I just wanted to address that I think a lot of listeners are at different points mm-hmm. in their potential Brave Leap sideways. Yeah. And if you are on the treadmill, we are here for you. (laughs) And if you have already started making that leap or you already did make the leap and you're like, okay, now what? What next? (laughs) Yeah. So I would love to talk about, yeah. Well, actually, before we talk about what next, I do want to also relate this to um, caregivers who are trying, like, to, so I have a lot of interest in breaking intergenerational patterns. I think mm-hmm. that um, parents do this with their children. I also think nannies begin to help families break intergenerational patterns because it is, especially because it is somebody coming in, getting a really good look at your family and being like, hey... Do you know, like, do you notice notice this? this? Yeah. Yeah. And I wondered. (laughs) Yeah. And I wondered about how that is working for you or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. Um, But I think sometimes in in trying something new in the place of breaking those intergenerational patterns, we sometimes can still get on a treadmill in the new direction. that then we are, we have these expectations 
for our kids. I was recently listening to a different podcast and someone on it was talking about when I have kids, they are going to like lots of foods. They're going <laughs> to love lots of foods. Famous last words. Exactly. And me, <laughs> as someone who is fed <laughs> dozens of children over the years, consistently every day, I was like, sure. <laughs> sure. You can do your best yep. to make that happen. Yep. You can you offer... can expose them to foods. <laughs> you can offer up a wide variety of foods. Sure, um, and so I just I bring that up to to also ask about like if we are on this path that maybe we are thinking like this is the better right like this is I did do I I pivoted mm-hmm. and this is the better, Mm -hmm. I would love to just talk about that aspect of like, oh, wait, no, the pivot wasn't quite what I thought. When I talk to people about taking their brave leap sideways, leaping over that handrail, getting on, on the safe ground, solid ground next to it, it's not moving at 25 miles an hour, (laughs) I I want people to know that the point is getting to that place where you can look around and see options. Mm. Not that when you get off the treadmill, you're going to start down a path that is your forever path, and you're right. never going to veer off of that path. But imagine that you do start down a path, and then that path has forks here and there that you can always choose to take that fork or to keep going straight and take another one. You can choose to turn yourself around and get yourself back to the starting point on the ground next to your treadmill (laughs) and take a different direction from there. I think that our, Martha and I are millennials, I think that our generation and previous generations had had really been taught that there there is a path right and once you start on that path that's your life path and I think that more and more we're understanding that the paths are infinite right you don't even have to follow a path there might not be a path (laughs) go trudge through the leaves go swim across a pond I don't care but keep making a choice to move in one direction or another, I think is the, is the point. Yeah. Yeah. Is, yeah. Once you, I think it, that is absolutely the point. And I also think that, um, as you come to those forks in the road, finding the quiet again Mm -hmm. is really important too. Pausing. Each fork. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Because I think sometimes, yeah, we just, like, want to get... We're like, oh, we have to keep moving. Yeah. <laughs> but you don't. Right. You don't have to keep moving. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you can have that quiet. Even when the the point, like, the whole reason it's called the Brave Leap Sideways is, like, it is going to be scary. Right. It is going to be scary to stand in stillness and check in 
before you decide to keep moving. It's going to be scary even as you say, oh yeah, that fork to the right, that's where that's, I think that's where I want to go. That's going to align with what I want. Choosing a new direction, choosing a pivot is scary. There is, there are scary choices in stillness and there are scary choices in movement. And that's why you're so brave is because you make those choices, even though they're scary. Yeah. And I also, a lot of the work that I'm doing with caregivers clinically in in my therapy office is almost, it's grief work for the child they thought that they were going to have. And I bring that up (laughs) because this is a podcast for caregivers. And so we are talking a lot about like our personal movement And I also want to like extend that grace and that like trailblazing to the generation that we're helping to raise. Mm -hmm. And certainly I think the Gen Z generation is already like saying, no, I will not follow your maze. Like I'm going to climb over this wall and go my own way. (laughs) And I think the next generation will be even more of mm-hmm. that. Like, they're 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 doing their thing. But I also do want to point out that no matter the caregiver you are, I feel like when I entered into new nanny families, day one Martha <laughs> was laughed at by day three hundred and sixty-five Martha of just the plans that I thought we were going to do uh, together and really meeting the kids in front of me where they are and helping them find that quiet to make choices, I think is really important. Yeah, I love that. I love that so much. Um, Yeah, so I guess that kind of leads me into... As caregivers, we are blazing our own trail, but we're also helping other people learn how to walk these trails. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious, because you do teach about this, like, have you found ways to help other people see their options a little differently? We talked about the values. I would love to know maybe like the next step on that pyramid of like what, once you like do get more aligned with your values, then what? I think that, so this isn't something that I take clients through or anything like that. Right. Um, the brave leap sideways is, is, is a little bit of a tangent from my, my professional work. And so I don't have a ton of experience of, like, talking um, through those sorts of, of journeys. But it is something that, not, because I've given this talk and because people know that I struggled through this choice, that there are people in my community who come to me and they say, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm at a fork in the road. Yeah. And... I think that what I have learned from having those sorts of conversations is 
even a small change can make a world of difference. Mm. And so if you're not to nec- not to get overwhelmed by the myriad choices, the world of choices that yeah. are in front of you, but saying, okay, what is working? Mm-hmm. Even if I'm on a treadmill right now, there's probably something in there that, that feels like a kernel of of joy mm-hmm. <laughs> or a kernel of calm or whatever those 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 feelings are that you want to be able to build up in your life and saying okay what is that looking looking at it as a pivot rather than as um rather than as like a giant choice mm-hmm. but what's the closest thing it reminds me of when I, when I was working as an actor, someone at some point told me the best portrayal of a character that you can create is the one that has the most of yourself in it. Mm. That you bring yourself and then you, you add on or you take away little by little. And I think that that's sort of the same idea here. Like, what is what is what is working in your life that you want to continue mm-hmm. and using that to say, okay, if I want to continue X, Y, or Z, what are the options that sort of are around those, um, those elements that are already working? And sometimes you might be like, no, I want to scrap it all. Right. I want to I want to get a divorce and shave my head and and move to Bali and that's, you know, yeah. That's fine too. <laughs> but if those giant changes are, are are overwhelming to you and are going to keep you stuck on the treadmill, look for little ones. Look yeah. for little changes that you can make. Yeah. I think that is so lovely and it brings me to one of my other things that I wanted to talk with you about is I I do feel like this also the expectation of getting on the treadmill staying on the treadmill staying when you are no longer enjoying it I do feel like our generation um is one of the the final ones to do that Mm -hmm. um and I think that it really has to do a lot with our perfectionism and the expectations both put on mm-hmm. us and that come from us mm-hmm. to to do things perfectly. Mm-hmm. Perfectionism um, and people pleasing. I and think people pleasing. Go, they yes. go together, and they both cause problems in this arena. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so I, I wanted to bring that aspect of it in of like, I feel like sometimes like the handrail, right, of this metaphor can represent a lot of different things. And sometimes I think that that is um, parental expectations for you. And sometimes I think that that is your own expectations for yourself Mm -hmm. um or not even parental but Mm -hmm. outside expectations for you yeah i mean in my experience going back to the law school story like i was telling the story that i was telling myself was 
that all of these people in my community who had supported me, who had sent me letters when I moved across the country during a pandemic, who had made sure to, you know, express their, their well wishes, like, that I was letting them down. Right. That they were going to feel like, if I quit, that meant I never appreciated mm. those those actions and those gestures. Which, having been one of those people, was <laughs> not the case. And I know that's not what you're saying. And but when I announced, like, I was so nervous to tell my community that I was dropping out. And when I did, I received the same level of enthusiastic support. Yeah. When I made that announcement, as I had when I had said, I'm going to go to law school. I'm going to, you know, move 1,600 miles away and then do this thing. And so, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a story that I was telling myself. It was made up. It wasn't real. But it was scary, and, and, and it had the potential to keep me stuck. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and I, I, I appreciate you talking about that because I do think that, um, to use a Brene Brown-ism, like, the story we tell ourselves often is part of us staying stuck. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we can't hear that story fully until we find the quiet. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it is like this, um, snaking its own tail mm -hmm. of, yeah. like... Where, where to start um, the mo to get the momentum, to make the brave leap sideways, right, yeah. you know? Um, but I, I think that even just opening up the possibility that you could is mm -hmm. the most important part, like, yeah. piece of where to start. And I want to I wanna go back to the idea that we were talking about, about, like, your brave leap sideways doesn't necessarily have to be a huge leap. It can it can be a small pivot. Because I just want to acknowledge that whatever situation you're in as an individual is 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 completely different from the individual at the treadmill next to you. Right. And so when I was going through this, I I'm single. I am fairly young, approaching middle age, um, and I was able to financially support myself because I had taken out school loans. <laughs> so that was a nice, you know, surprise. But, like, when you have children that are dependent on you, or when you have a, an aging parent who is dependent on you, when you are a guardian of any sort or you are in a different financial, uh, having a different financial experience, like all of those things can make it feel scarier and harder than it might be in a different situation. And so, like, I, we said this before in a different way, but like wherever you're at, that's where you're at and that's what you've got to work with. And no matter what you've got to work with you can do the you can you can do it little by little but like little bites instead yeah. of 
you know, the whole sandwich at once. I'm, I'm mixing a lot of metaphors today. <laughs> but I love it because we're on the treadmill and then we... We take our brave loop sideways, and then now I hear there's a sandwich, which... And, yeah, I mean... I'm even more interested. I'm, I'm <laughs> big on snacks. Me so. too. <laughs> Definitely me too. Um, yeah, I I think that's such a good point, that, um, that, that there's a lot of different circumstances um, and a lot of places that this metaphor can apply... And so taking stock of wherever you are. Um, and and also sometimes I think just having this in your pocket and carrying it around for a while mm-hmm. and seeing how it speaks to you. But what I was so struck by with your talk, not only because I know you, but because of how wonderful it was, is that I kept thinking about it. Like, you know, like it kept like popping up in my brain. And so the are can we link your talk in the yeah, bio? Absolutely. Wonderful. So it's down there. I would highly encourage you to go watch it, listeners, if you haven't already. Um and just letting it uh settle mm-hmm. in kind of the soil of your heart (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. and just like letting it be for a minute I think is also a really lovely thing because as you have have spoken to several times during our time today I it didn't happen all at once yeah it was a long process yeah and so my um one of my acting professors um, would would consistently talk about like kind of the fertile void of like when sometimes you feel like nothing is happening is when mm-hmm. the most is happening. Mm-hmm. And I think culturally, and I, I know for myself, but I am going to say culturally as well, I think that we are not great at sitting in that fertile void mm-hmm. um, and allowing we want to, to do. Happen. We want to do. And make. And yeah. Um, and for me, a lot of, like, we talked at the beginning about the kind of perfect timing of this. A lot of those things happen when I sit in the fertile void mm-hmm. for a while and just allow instead of trying to strong arm something. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe before I'm ready, maybe right as I'm ready, but still trying to like strong arm it usually backfires on me. Yeah. Even if you're ready, the world around you might not be ready. True. And so having all of that sort of like divinely align is, is nice. Um, I wanted to, a, a, a big part of the talk itself is about permission and you had said you know like keeping keeping these ideas in your pocket and i think that that's that's beautiful and yes listeners if you decide to go if you decide to go watch the brave leap sideways please do keep the ideas in your pocket because i think that it's important to have that permission to make a change 
for yourself if you're in a place where where that's helpful to you but also that if you see someone else mm. who is in a situation where they might need permission if they're in a relationship they need to get out of if they're unhappy in their career and they would be healthier somewhere else for you to be the person who says hey i i noticed this i saw this i see you i see this struggle and it's okay to do something different yeah. and reaching out your hand in that way as the support that you mm-hmm. mentioned earlier i think that that we can all be we can all have an incredible impact just by being the person who notices mm. being the person who reaches out a hand i i don't know if i would have made the choice that I made at least as quickly as I did um, I may have like gone through and gotten my JD because I really wanted that that piece of paper yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> and then later decided to, to change paths but I I made the choice that I did when I did because I had other voices telling me it was okay yeah at one point over winter break, I had, I had gone through my whole first semester, and it was terrible mm-hmm. in, in all, of, all of the ways that I expected it to be terrible, but, like, in the worst possible ways. And, because, <laughs> um, you know, law school isn't, isn't known for, for being unicorns and, and rainbows. But over winter break, I was just, I was so, so struggling, and my best friend Cassandra said, you need to be writing. Mm-hmm. that's what you need to be doing with your life and we will figure out how to make that happen mm-hmm. and having that not push I'm not a good I'm not a person who reacts well to pushes but just like the the like safety net yeah. of if I make this choice at least I know that Cassandra is like supportive and if if everything goes goes awry um she'll she'll be there and understand clinically we talk about like leaving the door ajar Mm -hmm. just a little like leaving Mm -hmm. the door you don't you don't have to open it all the way but just like being like hey this is unlocked and yeah here for you when you're ready to step through you can step through Uh, yes yes (laughs) (laughs) yep not shoving you through the door just like hey (laughs) So in the same way that I want the Brave Leap Sideways to be an idea that we carry within ourselves for ourselves, I also want it to be something that we carry within ourselves for our our children who might need to quit that sport that they yeah. are not happy doing or for a friend who might need to make a career change or things like that, that we can we can use it to support each other as well as ourselves yeah I think that is such a wonderful point and especially yeah as we as we help raise children um in whatever way you are helping to raise children because if you are listening to this podcast (laughs) you are probably in some way helping raise children um caregiving for children and so I, I do think that that is is really crucial not only 
for children, which definitely it is because so many kids come into my office with expectations and then I do parent sessions and it's like that wasn't the parents expectations at all. Yeah. You know, like mm -hmm. sometimes it's miscommunication around expectations and just saying like, hey, I've noticed mm -hmm. and I wonder like makes this huge difference in that way. And then also with other caregivers in your life and other humans in general, mm -hmm. but this podcast is about caregivers. So <laughs> I, I think so often um, the like parent shaming and specifically mom shaming that mm -hmm. goes on, I think speeds up the treadmill yeah. <laughs> for so many people. Um, and it's just not necessary. Uh, and so being the person that says, Hey, like, I see this, I see this happening. Maybe it's happened to you too. And you can speak from that. Or maybe you can, you know, just say, I see this is happening. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm here to help. Um, yeah, I let, I left this door open for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I love I love that. I'm going to use that now. Yeah. Um, well, wonderful. Okay, so if listeners um, are like, oh, Kathleen sounds great, and <laughs> you're right, listeners. Kathleen is pretty great. Kathleen <laughs> is great. Uh, and they want to work with you in some capacity. Mm -hmm. What are some ways that, um, you work with people? Like we've talked yeah. a little bit about it, but I, I would love to know more. So the two primary ways that I work with business owners, um, is one as a copywriter. So I do a lot of, I write a lot of websites and email sequences and sales pages, lots of conversion copy. And then the other work that I do now that I have given this this TEDx talk, which actually took place last year, so it's been a whole, a whole uh, about a year now, is I help business owners through the TEDx process because a lot of business owners want to get on the TEDx stage. My talk didn't have anything to do with my business, right. but it is a great way for business owners to get visible, to build up you know, know, like, and trust so that people are ready to buy from them. And so I help them through that whole process from idea generation to figuring out what events to apply for to getting their applications in and then working all the way up through the writing and editing and getting it on its feet and ready for that final performance at the TEDx event that they get selected to speak at. So that's what I do professionally. And you can find me, whether you're interested in that professional work or you are just curious about who I am, because I have a personal brand <laughs> myself on my social media, you learn a lot about me and my cat. And you can find me on Facebook. Um, my, it's under my name, Kathleen Melvin, C-A-T-H-L-Y-N, or on LinkedIn under my name. I am the only Kathleen Melvin in the world, so um, you should fight, be able to find me there. And then on Instagram, it's under my brand name, which is Right Cat Creative, R-I-G-H-T, Cat Creative. I love that. And yes, uh, if you do decide to follow Kathleen, which highly recommend the follow, uh, 
Tucker, her cat, is just the sweetest, bestest. So <laughs> and cute. He, and he's the star. And he's the star. <laughs> he absolutely is. Um, well, Kathleen, I'm somewhat springing this on you, mm-hmm. um, but we usually end with a cute, fun story, mm. um, which as we transition, mm-hmm. I'm not sure that I'm going to be able to do uh, much anymore because I can't share stories of clients. Mm-hmm. So, But I can share a story. But you can share a story. So can I, I share a story of, of a babysitting kid? That yes. I, I love this story so much. So... One of the kids that I babysat, I was with their family for like seven years, and this story took place when their oldest was three or four, maybe, and I was sitting cross-legged on the floor with her, we were hanging out, doing whatever, and she was just kind of like petting me, as mm-hmm. children sometimes do. And I have a cluster of spider veins on my knee. And she got to my knee and she was just sort of looking at it. And she said, oh, that's so beautiful. Aww. And that has always stuck with me because, you know, we are socialized to think that those sorts of things are quote unquote imperfections and not attractive and this little girl just thought it was and she like stared at it and traced it with her fingers and like just really honestly thought it was a beautiful part of my body and I that obviously that story has stuck with me that was Years and years ago, yeah. at this point, she's a middle schooler now. Wow. <laughs> I know. It blows my mind. I have a nanny kid in high school, and I cannot. <laughs> but that is, that's so lovely. And that's one of the many reasons I love working with children, yeah. is that they they just they see the world. They new ways to yes. look at ourselves and, and the world. Yes. I love that's it. Great. Thank you so much, Kathleen, for taking time. This was a wonderful discussion. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm I'm always happy to to share these ideas. Yeah, and thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. The Compassionate Caregiver Podcast is produced and hosted by Katie Anderson and Martha Tyler. If you'd like to support the show and receive bonus content, please consider becoming a Patreon member. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Compassionate Caregiver Pod and on Twitter at C Childcare LLC. To contact us, email hello at CompassionateChildcare.com. As always, thanks for listening. This show has been brought to you by Machine Culture.